Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we have a fantastic show for you today. Let's get into it. We are moving to two episodes a week because it is football season. I cannot tell you how excited I am. Even more content, even better guests. It's going to be a good time for sure. Um, So yeah, during football season, here's a layout how it's going to go. Episodes are going to post Sunday night like normal. um, And then we're going to have a bonus episode every Wednesday night. So kind of how that's going to go is... Sunday is just football, right? We're going to get a guy on, maybe just me, maybe somebody else. Uh, We're going to talk. We're going to recap the week, how it went, preview for Monday night, uh, like you heard. And then on Wednesday, we've got some really cool interviews lined up, like this one that you're going to hear with Buster. Um, But it's more content, and I could not be more excited about it. Uh, Just a little bit of an update, though, because we are going to talk just Thursday night football for 30 seconds here. Uh, For all you betters out there, all the meaningful defensive players for the Bengals are out right now. I'm hammering the over. The secondary of the, Cle- of the Cleveland Browns is already banged up. Uh, and whoever you think is going to show up, it doesn't matter. Throw your money on the over because it is absolutely going to hit. That's all. Here's my interview with Buster Sure. We now welcome on a very special guest, a guy who I, I've been looking forward to talking to, Buster Sure. Buster, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk. Thank you for having me, man. I'm, I'm pumped we were able to, to make this work. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we got it figured out, too. So much to talk about, NBA-wise, crazy. Uh, even just, we, we could have a whole two-hour episode on just what happened on Tuesday night. So right. plenty, to, plenty to unpack, not only in the playoffs, but in, in the surrounding world uh, of the NBA. So, I mean, let, let's hop right in. Let's start Game 7, Clippers-Nuggets. Uh, I don't think anybody could have predicted that the Nuggets would come back from one 3-1 series, let alone two 3-1 series, let alone being down double digits at two different points in games five and game six. Uh, So my first question to you is, is this Nuggets victory, was it a a Clippers collapse or are the Nuggets just that good? I think it was a combination. You know, it's uh, that, uh, the Clippers were never going to go very far because they didn't have that team chemistry. They weren't able to, you know, stick together in, in the same way that you know, the Lakers, for example, have been able to when they've lost game game ones of their respective series. Um, and they crumbled under pressure. They had to win one game. Paul George and Kawhi to step up one time in the fourth quarter, and they didn't. So they weren't – it was it was inevitable that it was going to come at some point. And uh, Denver's talented, man. They don't give up. You know, respect to them. I don't have them beating the Lakers. Um, but, hey, the Lakers got to watch out once they're up 3-1. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and we'll definitely talk about that, that series a little bit later. But uh, it, was, it was crazy to me because when the Clippers went up 3-1, I was talking to one of my friends uh, and basically saying that, look, we've seen Jamal Murray uh, drop, you know, 50 points. Um, and last season in the playoffs, when the, the Nuggets played a game seven against the Blazers, it was Jokic hitting every shot. So I was talking to one of my buddies, and I was like, man, if we could just get Jokic from last year uh, and combine with Jamal Murray of this year, like, they're going to be really good. Uh, and, and I wasn't saying that in a context of, context of coming down 3-1, but more of just 
like in general, you know, and it's amazing to see what Jokic has done. Uh, make it make sense to me. How does an oversize, uh, like a, an overweight seven footer be not only one of the best uh, passing bigs in the NBA, but right now making a strong consideration for like top seven player in the NBA right now. How does that happen? Totally. I mean, he's, he's gotten skinnier though. He lost some that's weight. True. That's, that's fair. A <laughs> um, little bit, a little bit mm-hmm. quicker now, but um, I mean, he, he's big. Like he's, he's got that, like, he's like European Shaq. If he was like a little bit more coordinated, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, he, he obviously has that going for him, but you know, he, he's, uh, I, I think the, the best thing that he has going for him is that he doesn't get injured very often. Um, nothing crazy. And that, uh, usually you don't see that with big men who are as versatile as he is because he's moving a lot. Mm-hmm. He's, he's spinning, you know, as Walt Clyde Frazier would say, he's spinning and winning. So, you know, uh, I think, uh, I think that the the fact that he's able to stay healthy and he's he's in good shape is what uh what sets him apart from the other seven footers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So one last thing about this series, like you said, it was a big disappointment. The Clippers just couldn't put it together. Uh, just an insane amount of talent when you look at that roster. Like on paper, that can go toe to toe with anybody. Uh, so now we're at a point where. Uh, it's going to be, well, I would say long off season, but it seems like it's going to be about, you know, two months until the next season gets going. Uh, yeah. But it's going to be a quick turnaround for these Clippers. I mean, what has to happen? Like w- what steps need to be taken? Is it just like a, a, a timing thing, like playing together, getting chemistry figured out, or are there like real changes that need to be made to this Clippers team before, you know, we can talk about them in the title contention for, for 2021. All I know is Kawhi is not happy, and it's not very difficult to make Kawhi happy. Kawhi was very happy in San Antonio. It was very not at the end, but at the beginning, mm-hmm. he was very happy in Toronto. So it seemed, and I don't think I've ever seen him as unhappy as he was last night, sitting on the bench after they were, you know, when they were down by twenty with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So, if you ask me, I say they have to make some big changes. Mm. So, I don't think any verbal exchange is gonna is gonna save uh, save Kawhi there. Yeah, I mean, and Kawhi's like every team he's been on has been a legit like title contender. Like there were a couple years, like you said, at the end of, with San Antonio, but early on it was the big three: uh, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Tim Duncan. He was going up toe to toe with LeBron. He went to the Raptors, was playing in the finals, winning the NBA championship with them. Uh, so this is definitely uncharted territory for him. And I think uh, I agree. Like, I think, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? What makes him happy? And it's, uh, it's up to him really, or up to that conversation. Kawhi, Kawhi was going for his third finals MVP with the third different team. LeBron's obviously doing the same between the, the Cavs, Miami, and now LA, but each of them in their own own right were, trying to become the first player in the history of the NBA to do that. And if LeBron wins, he will, he will have done it. But that uh, has been put on hold for at least a year for Kawhi. Mm-hmm. And I think this really, um, and, and we saw it a lot on Twitter and, and with the interactions with people, but this is now putting LeBron in another category, in my opinion. Like when you look at the tiers of NBA stars and what these guys have been asked to do, 
I mean, we've you've watched Lakers games in the playoffs. Like it's him and Anthony Davis, and then like maybe they get production from a third guy, but they're they're playing incredibly well. And I mean, they're the favorites to win the title, and it's because of LeBron. You know, it, it, like is there anybody even in the same like close to the same levels LeBron at this point in your opinion? In the NBA today, no, mm-hmm. no, there isn't. He's on a level of his own, and. Uh... We're just lucky to be a part of the ride. Exactly. We have to embrace it. So moving over to the other series, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals, this one pains me as a Celtics fan to talk about, but we owe it to the people to talk about it. Uh, I mean, it's got the makings. I'm a a big Knicks fan. I wish we were talking about my pain (laughs) with the Knicks losing game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. I wish I was in your shoes. Just as a reminder. In case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I understand. I sound like a, a, a spoiled a spoiled fan in, in saying that. Uh, but definitely want to talk about your Knicks in a little bit. Uh, yeah. But, man, this has the makings of a classic, like, pound-for-pound heavyweight fight between two teams that work really hard. Like, one of the my biggest takeaways was you look at the way that uh, that the Celtics play their def- like play defense. They've got their hands out. And it's such like a – it's like a middle school basketball concept. You know, your coach is like, all right, hands up on defense. But they do it every time, and it allows them to tip passes, get steals, and just stay mentally focused on defense. Uh, and, and it's really cool to see. And, and one of the things that um, Miami does is switches really well. I mean, you look at their pa- – like the Celtics were making some great passes, and, and the Heat were right there every time. Uh, so – you know how what's the key for each team in this series to really gain an edge because they are incredibly evenly matched uh and and you look at their styles of play the answer to both questions is jimmy butler can the celtics stop him and can he can he lead the miami heat team because he's the heart and soul of the heat team boston has a little bit more diversity but um you know in in the sense of uh they're a little bit they're a little bit better spread amongst uh, Tatum and Brown, Smart, and so on. Whereas Miami, you know, Bam, that block, by the way, has got to be top three playoff playoff blocks of all time with LeBron, Iguodala in game seven, rather, being number one. But, um, you know, there, Miami, Miami runs through Jimmy. So can Boston slow him down? Or can he keep doing what, you know, more of a – where that came from in game one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that, I'm, I'm thinking back to that three that he hit with like 30 seconds left. And that's literally yeah. like, like that that's crazy. what annoys me so much. But what makes him so good is like, he's a terrible three-point shooter. But for some reason, game on the line, like I felt nervous when he pulled up for that shot. You know, it was like, it's going to go in. And when it went in, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely not surprised here. Uh, but Next thing I want to talk about is Kemba Walker has struggled quite a bit. Like you look at the last three games, he's shooting like a sub, a sub 25% uh, from the field. Uh, you know, he had a good fourth quarter, I think, uh, when it came down the stretch, hit that big shot towards the end. But what does he have to do to figure it out? I mean, what, what, like, is, is it just a mental thing? Is it him not playing? Like he hasn't gotten out of the first round of the playoffs in his NBA career, much less playing in a conference finals. I mean, what, like, is it, is it nerves or is it just like a cold streak? What has to happen? Because Kemba's a key piece for the Celtics, no doubt. But how does he get going? 
Kemba's a vet. It's got to just be a cold streak. Um, I, I don't think the, it being the playoffs is any impact because there are no crowds. There is no hype around it. It's just he's literally in a bubble. And mm-hmm. uh, probably just had a couple bad games. But you never know. Maybe his leg's bothering him. Maybe you know, I, I've definitely grown to know that you can't always – can't always predict exactly why somebody's not doing what they should be. Maybe something happened personally that he did. Like, who, who the hell knows? But mm-hmm. um, usually it just takes shooting more. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's what – is, what is that phrase? It's like the, the worst crime in sports is to be hot and not know it. Uh, that's what I live by on the intramural courts all I the time. <laughs> I'm going to follow in your footsteps on that one. Mm-hmm. All right. So Celtics, Heat – who you got winning the series? Uh, and you said Jimmy Butler's the key. So, so which yeah, which team? Miami winning and the Lakers winning the NBA Finals. All right, yeah, that's it for the interview. We'll, uh, <laughs> oh shoot. Well, that's 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 unfortunate, but I respect it. It's okay. Uh, the Heat scare me. They really do. I mean, they're they're a team that like they're grinders. You guys beat Toronto. I really didn't think that was going to happen. I see. For me, it was like going into the series is it, always like an unknown because it's like, what are we going to get? Like, how are the Celtics going to look? Yeah. Um, but I was surprised that the, the Raptors hung around as long as they did. Like in terms of the way we were playing and you look at the games they won, they won the double overtime. They won the yeah. OG Ananobi game winning three. And then the Celtics have games where we blew them out by 20. Uh, right. and, and, you know, that sort of thing. So it was like the, the ability to win those big games the Celtics had but I am concerned about these clutch games because you look at like the, 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 the games that we've had, obviously the overtime against the heat. And then those last two um, against the Raptors that we lost, it's like the way that the Celtics gear up for like these last second shots is mind blowing to me. Like into regulation, Jason Tatum dribbling out the clock, shooting a, a, you know, a step back look that may be good in game, but if it's a tie game, I, I, I don't like that shot at all, you know, and especially when Marcus Smart's cutting baseline uh, wide open, he would have had a game-winning floater there. It stings a little bit more. Um, that but I'm, Jason Tatum three at the end of game one where he was on the ground and got right back up. Mm. If he had hit that shot. That would have been – he totally could have too. That's the crazy part. Yeah. It, that, that, yeah, it was incredibly close. And that would have been one of the, like, best shots of all time you know like workout move bro like push <laughs> up and then into the shot that was crazy yeah like if he hits that 30 years from now you know if we sit down to have another conversation that's what we're talking about in in terms of like one of the best shots of all time but um 100%. man yeah it's it's gonna be a good series i'm excited really can't miss like a single game a single moment because everything is gonna be incredibly entertaining but let's jump over to the west here Nuggets Lakers you mentioned the Lakers are, are going to have no trouble uh no trouble dispatching the the Nuggets and the run's going to come to an end my question for you is who go who guards Murray and Jokic how do they stop those two uh that's a great question I, th- I think you can always put a LeBron on whoever is the hottest LeBron is the most versatile player in probably the history of the NBA um so I think that won't hurt, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be a team effort like anything. And, you know, you alluded to the fact that the Lakers are that much of a team. They're more of a duo. And, uh, you know, I think for the most part that's true. And they're going to have to 
you know, play a little bit bigger than that, especially on the defensive end. On offense, they'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that one's going to be a lot closer than people think. I'm with you. I think the Lakers win, um, but I think it's going to be probably six, six, maybe seven, just because of, you know, when, when Murray gets going, uh, I mean, it's going to be tough to stop, I think, just in general. And you, the, the Lakers need a third star to show up, not even a third star, but like a guy, a third guy to give you 15 points. Right, right. And, it, and it's like, who, you know, do we get Kuzma? Do we get Danny Green? Like who, who's going to be that guy? Make their, hopefully both of them, hopefully Danny Green, you know, makes all his threes and Kuz follows in suit. Yeah. I mean, if they get going, it's, it's, it's over. I think uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting NBA playoffs for sure. Let's talk about your Knicks. Okay, you, you're a, you're a, a an unashamed Knicks fan. You mention it quite a bit. Very proud. The, the Knicks have made some some decent moves on paper in the offseason, um, hiring Leon Rose. Yep. Tom Thibodeau, not the biggest fan of, um, I think, just when you look at his track record. But uh, how, how are you feeling? How are you grading the Knicks offseason moves so far? Obviously, you know, free agency draft hasn't happened yet. But in terms of, of personnel, how's it looking? Hey, I I like the the actual team changes that they've made all the way from head coach into the front office, but I'm excited for New York to be renamed to New Giannis when the time comes. So I'm uh, I'm waiting for that. Wait, uh, correct me if I'm wrong though, but wasn't it Kyrie and KD were coming to New York last year? Not to bring up old wounds, but wasn't that They did come to <laughs> wasn't New York. that the story? <laughs> they did come to New York. Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, I, that's true. They, 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 their Google Maps must have been messed up or something. <laughs> somebody sent them the wrong address. Yeah, somebody sent them the wrong address. That's all that was. I don't okay. worry about that. They're okay, still, okay. Still trying to find their way. So, so besides Giannis, obviously, like he would transform the franchise. Yeah. But for the Knicks to be competitive in the next couple of years, what moves has to happen? Whether that's in the draft now, targeting other free agents, like what what is that step for for the the um, Knicks to get to the next level. I love I love Cole Anthony. I think Cole Anthony in the draft will be great. Uh, Obi in the draft is going to be super good too. There, there, there are some good guys to pick up this year, but um, it's good. It's really more of a uh, making New York a little bit more attractive in the sense of it being a winning team. That's going to then bring in those key other pieces because if the Knicks can become a playoff team at the Garden you know, when arenas are back and in full swing, that's going to be an incredible atmosphere. And if they're able to bring some of that, then they can get, you know, some, some A-level, A-level talent. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it, it starts from the ground up. I mean, thinking about how the Nets built their team, even though they traded away all of their first round picks to get Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, love that move. Uh, but, you know, they built, they built really like smart facilities, like they made, they built the, the system, uh, like a place that people want to be. And it all worked out, you know, getting Kyrie KD, like it, it started from like an organizational change and what they embraced. Um, and, and that's, I think is what made it the attractive place to be. Uh, but at the end of this, uh, we've got a little bit of time left here. I want to talk about you. Now your story is, is a very unique one. Uh, you're a guy that has been invested in the, the social media game, um, and what I'm learning to find out trading cards, um, and a lot of other things. Um, and, and I was talking to you about it before. I mean, just reading about it, you know, we found out that we're the same age. It's like 
the the experiences that you've had being able to to interact with you know some of you know Gary Vaynerchuk and and Aaron Rodgers and and guys that are are um, you know all all up in the sports industry. Um, first off, let's talk about it as a whole. What has this entire ride for you been like? Um, if you could sum it up in in you know just a few words. You know, I, I think it's been very educational. I've learned a lot, but I still have a tremendous amount more to learn. And, you know, I'm just trying to trying to be better than I was the day before every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So so what first drew you to or kind of like ledging the direction of because uh, you started Hoops Nation Instagram page. Go follow it. Anybody listening, uh, go check it out for sure. Um, and you can follow Buster too. I forgot to mention, you can follow him on Instagram really easy at Buster. Um, I like yeah. that. Very good. Um, but, but what drew you to social media as a platform um, that you, you invest in? Cause it, it was at 15, correct? Is that when you kind of got into it? Yeah. That, that so I started on Facebook and then Snapchat and then Instagram. Um, but I, uh, it was never the goal was never to build a following or build a brand it was just to do what i enjoyed and you know passion i i truly believe passion drives everything in this world and you know that's what drove it for me and the reason that it, it did it did all right i did and that i didn't stop was because i wasn't in it for anything except for just enjoying it and i think that that is the answer mm-hmm yeah. It, was there ever, like, do you have a story of maybe meeting somebody that you, you idolized or, um, you know, you really looked up to that it was like, wow, like this is, you know, I, I'm where I want to be. You know, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I don't think there were any, any, anything like that. I, I really look at it, you know, from, everybody you know whether it be i'm talking to a 12 year old or i'm talking to aaron Rodgers, like we're all on the same level um so i never i never really get you know too like starstruck or anything like that i definitely get nervous in terms of like interviewing somebody because i want to do really well right but i never have any doubts in, in terms of like capabilities or stuff like that but um guys that that have been the best aaron was awesome both aaron's aaron judge is like one of the nicest most humble guys aaron Rodgers, one of the nicest must be something about aaron's i don't know what it is but um no in all seriousness pretty much every athlete that i've, I've ever come across has been has has you know beaten my expectations of uh of them in, in terms of what i've seen from the media Mm, yeah, no, I, I, that's really cool. So you mentioned, you know, you, you said you get a little nervous when you're interviewing people. Is there like a, a system that you use or something that you have to kind of like get ready for interviews? Um, whether it's like the way you research, the way you ask the questions uh, or, or that sort of thing? I'm honestly one of the worst people to ask for that because the way that I, the way that I'm the most sane and I, I really don't, I don't get nervous very often, but when I do, I love it. If I get nervous or something, that's a great thing. It means it's, it means I'm doing something out of my comfort zone, which is something I try to do every day. If I'm not nervous for something, it means it's too, it's too, it becomes too monotonous, right? Mm -hmm. But 
in terms of me prepping for stuff, I'm the worst person to ask. I don't prep for anything. I just, I don't, I think about it. That's my prepping. Like I think about it. I'll like, you know, nonchalantly like scroll their feed. If I feel like it, if I don't, I don't. And then I show up and the key thing for me, and I don't do this unless it's the case is I only talk to people that I'm actually interested in. Mm. And then it's authentic. I actually have questions for this person that I'm talking to. I'm not asking them just to ask them questions, just to walk away with content. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing it. That makes no sense. Um, you know, and that, that is something I learned through doing that, <laughs> through asking people that I didn't, I would ask questions that I didn't care about the answer to. And I realized that is the worst thing to do. And it really doesn't, it's not a great long-term strategy. So I, I, I've, I've shifted that. Um, but I, I don't prep in like the classic manner of like, let me go do research, let me write up notes. I go into every show with zero notes, zero anything. And it's all on the, on the fly off the dome. And that is how I look. That is how it always ends up the most authentic for me. But mm -hmm. everybody is different and everybody has to find their own, um, their own, own path. I think if I was just starting as well, I would feel much more comfortable with somewhat of an outline. But, you know, right now that would just make me too laser focused on that as opposed to what I should be focused on, which is the person that I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I get where you're coming from in, in, in staying authentic and, and going off the fly because, I mean, looking back on some of like my best interviews and some of my best questions, mm -hmm. uh, they were ones that I didn't write down. You know, it was like they had mentioned something and then I was like, oh, let's explore that. And then all of a sudden it turned into like um, a really funny story or just like a really cool moment or a way to like really connect and see the person that I'm interviewing at, at a different level. Um, so hundred percent agree with, with, with that right there for sure. Awesome. So one last thing before we let you go here. Um, obviously, you know, like I've mentioned, um, your, your hoops nation, which follow at hoops nation on Instagram, follow Buster at Buster. Um, you know, you, you have, like you said, you weren't intending to build a brand, but you did actually build a brand. So now that we've come into an age where social media and, and, and these kind of secrets are, like not a secret, if that makes sense, like the way to, to kind of build and, and grow a, a, a thing, um, whether it be, you know, your own personal brand, a, a sports page or, or whatever, whatever you like, um, it's pretty common knowledge. So how do you stay ahead of the curve? How do you find ways to be innovative in the way that you present content or, or just interact with people? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's daily battle. Everything changes every day. The algorithms on every platform change every day. The platforms themselves change in you know social relevancy every single week, month, year. So it's just being about on top of those trends and knowing when to capitalize on which platform. And sometimes I'm late. Sometimes I'm early. TikTok, I was early. Instagram, I was late. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Always, always got to be ready. I love it. Well, Buster, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And, and hopefully we can get you back on and talk some more soon. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah.